Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. Go to expressvpn.com slash applebits and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Also, thanks to Indeed for supporting my podcast as well. My team is a small business. It's a team of one, but every single hire needs to fit just right, and I do hire once in a while. That's why I'm working with Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash applebits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is going to be a fun show this week because I was finally able to get someone from Apple On this show, it's the first, and it's hopefully the first of many more to come. Director of Platform Product Marketing, Stephen Tona, is going to join the show to talk all about macOS Big Sur, the M1 Max, how that has been going. It's been two months since the update, so we're going to talk all about that. I'm going to also ask him some tough questions and see how he answers about the touch bar, maybe a future of macOS being touch, um, the icons, Look, I didn't let them get off easy, but I wanted to ask the questions that you all had as well. Uh, Some of you also asked about the calculator widget app that they took away. Guess what? I asked him about that. So we will get to that in a moment. But before we do that, this show is all about you all. All you got to do is call in. We're going to put two voicemails after the interview in this show that I received because they were good ones. And so all you got to do to be a part of this is to record a voice memo on your phone, your computer, whatever platform you are, send it out to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, corrections, opinions, thoughts, good apples, bad apples. I take them all and you really all add a lot of texture to the show. So just send those voice memos in and it's always fun to be a part of it. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how many of you have supported my content and the show, and I'm so grateful for it. It starts at $2 per month. $5 per month is a cup of coffee. We got the 10, the 25, and the $100 platinum Apple level. This gets you benefits and rewards at every level, early access to all of my content or most of it, and then a completely ad free version of the podcast. No ads whatsoever. Plus, we do some other fun things on that Patreon as well to be a part of it. So, All you got to do, sign up at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Thank you so much for that. All right, let's get into this. First, we're going to start off with this really in-depth interview with Director of Product Platform Marketing, Stephen Tona. Let's talk all about it. Mac OS, big sir. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Big guest here today, Mr. Steven Tona, Director of Platform Product Marketing at Apple. We're going to talk a whole lot about Mac OS. Big sir. Steven, are you ready for this? Born ready. You know, you are obligated the very first time you say that that special word. I would like you to do your best effort to to kind of belt that big sir. It's kind of like a requirement when we do this podcast. Is that okay with you? 100%. <laughs> all right. So, Steven, you know, um, first of all, your title. I like to do this platform product marketing at Apple. Look, mm-hmm. My mom listens to my stuff. There's people that listen to stuff that titles 
don't necessarily tell us what someone actually does. So can you kind of break it down? What do you do and what are you responsible for at Apple? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so the platform product marketing piece is, you know, my team is responsible for kind of three of Apple software platforms from a product marketing perspective. That's Mac OS, Big Sur, iOS, yes. and iPad OS. So, I mean, we, we look after the product marketing side, you know, both helping us message, do things like WWDC, the keynote story, as well as, you know, helping us, um, figure out what should we do next from a software perspective and working very closely with our engineering teams. I would say you guys are pretty busy every year. Yeah, you could say that. You know, we have, we have, we have things to do from time to time. Just a little bit, just a little bit. So, you just know, before, bit, yep. before we um, dive in here, because, you know, the cool thing, thank you so much for your time and hanging out because we're going to jump into macOS Big Sur. We know there was just a recent release with macOS Big Sur 11.2. So for people that are listening, it did, you know, it took care of some improvements fix a few little bugs here, external displays that might have shown a black screen when connected to a Mac mini M1 using an HDMI to DVI converter. That's going to get, that gets fixed. Uh, some Apple Pro Raw photos and the photos app may not have saved those changes. There's a few others. So just to let people know, right, we, you've just released a new version of macOS Big Sur, but overall we are about a little bit after two months. What has been the overall response to Big Sur? What are you hearing? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, Big Sur, huge release for us, right? Biggest redesign for macOS since macOS 10, right? That's going back a long way. And we're really proud of the design. Um, the response has been fantastic. And, and, you know, when you change the design of something as fundamentally as we did, and when I say fundamentally, I mean, we went throughout the entire OS and, and really, you know, redesigned everything from the look of apps to the buttons, to the features that our users use. You know, it's something where, you know, internally we loved it. You're when you change it, you're not sure what the response is going to be. You hope it's great, um, but when you change things, it, it can be nerve-wracking for customers. And I think in this case, the, re the reception has been overwhelmingly positive. People love the new design; um, it's fantastic. And I think what our design teams did is struck this really great balance of a whole new, modern look for macOS while retaining that familiarity that they're used to. So they can jump right in, they can upgrade to Big Sur on their existing Mac or buy a new M1 Mac that comes with Big Sur and feel right at home. It's the Mac they know and love um, with a whole new look. And I think we're really proud and there was a lot of work that went into ensuring that balance of new and familiar. Yeah, honestly, I mean, people that have seen my review and have heard me talk about Mac OS Big Sur, I love everything about it cosmetically. I mean, even the fact that you guys played around and changed the sounds. Now, some people, I, I love the sound. It, it, it In a weird way, and I know you guys have talked about this, maybe it might have been controversial behind closed doors of what sounds do we actually use, but it does make it feel new as well. When I heard it for the first time, I'm like, oh, that's new. And my brain all of a sudden says, hey, that's new. I mean, internally, when you guys talked about this, I'm, it's absolutely beautiful and it, it strikes that really hard balance of like moving forward, being modern, but not getting rid of the past. Um, how did you, some of those conversations internally um, happen maybe around the sounds? Did you have any input or say into any of the sounds? <laughs> as you know, and, and I think as you point out, and in fact, in your review, I love the fact that you gave a call out to the sounds because the sounds themselves are as key to the experience, um, you know, as, as anything else. And we, like everything else, we sweat the details on this stuff. And so we wanted to pair this 
new visual look of Big Sur with some great new sounds. And what I love about the story of the sounds is for a lot of those sounds, we actually took the original recordings of the sounds that were there before Big Sur and we just, we modernized them. So they have the heritage Mm -hmm. of the original sound but they have this modern new sound to them. And I think that's just a, it's just a, I love that story because I think only Apple would go to that level of detail to really make things feel great and while retaining the heritage of the original sound. And we're, we're extremely proud of, of how those come out. And they're very delightful whenever you hear them. And, and to your point, when you hear them, you know it's new. You know it's, you know it's Big Sur. Or... Big sir. I only said I, I would make you say that once, so I, I won't make you say it <laughs> twice. You know, from a personal standpoint, what I would really surprise me, you know, because this has been two months later, is how smooth the transition was. Because, you know, we're talking about, right, the M1 is driving so much uh, buzz, innovation. It's the future for what, for what you're all doing. You know, I was there deeply, um, intimately involved when we went from PowerPC to the Intel chips. And I'm not saying it wasn't smooth, but there's no way it was as smooth as this, right? To me, it felt like during that transition, it really took arguably six months, maybe even a year before I felt as a user, okay, we're finally here with that transition. Man, I I own a Intel-based 16-inch MacBook Pro. Um, I use the M1 MacBook Pro 13-inch that you guys sent me for review. And on both machines, I mean, I was damn impressed with just how that transition happened. And I didn't feel like I was missing much other than waiting for some developers that have a lot more intimately involved apps, uh, like let's say the Adobe suite. It's gonna take some time for some players like that and others to get on board, but developers really jumped on this. And so tell me about that. Like, is that something that you had conversations with? I mean, you can't tell a developer like we've gotta go all the way all in because not everyone is buying an M1 Mac yet. A lot of people are that are loyal users. But how does getting all the developers on board to make that push happen? Because I think with the PowerPC to Intel transition, it took a long time for a lot of developers to get on board um, before they finally, before I felt like, okay, everyone that I need and know is here. You know, it's a, it's a great question. And, and and the transition, which you which you kind of talked about early on, is something that we've been working on for a long time, right? The one of the most important things for us is making sure that that transition is as smooth as possible for our customers who go from their Intel Mac to their M1 Mac. And we wanted to make sure that there were no, that that was as smooth as possible and no hiccups. And that's something that we really poured over. Um, and that, that part of that story is Big Sur, that when you jump from Catalina to Big Sur to making sure that's a familiar experience. And then, as, and then just as important there is, as you note, do your apps work? Can I get one of these amazing new Macs with an M1 processor and run my apps um, day one. And so that was that was a key part. And as you know, we have kind of three, we have three classes of apps. And actually what I love about the M1 Mac story is this is the largest collection of apps we've ever had for the Mac. We have universal apps, right? Those are the ones that you mentioned are optimized for M1 um, and um, take full advantage of the processor. Then we have our, what we call our Rosetta apps. And those are apps that um, have not yet been updated to M1, but will run perfectly um, on M1 um, right out the gate. And then finally, this entirely new class of apps for Mac, which is iPhone and iPad apps, which lets our customers run yet another set of brand new apps um, on their Mac. And so what we found is by providing those that level of collection of apps, it's been exciting for our, for our customers. It's been a seamless transition for them. And then from a developer perspective, um, it's giving 
developers, we've given them a really easy way to bring their apps on board. Um, as you know, over time, over the last few years, we've had some new technologies like Catalyst, mm -hmm. which lets our iPhone and our iPad app developers use some of the same technologies to bring their apps over to the Mac, which has been great. That's spawned a whole new class of apps on the Mac. Um, and so the developer response has been, as, as you know, over the top. They're super excited to bring their apps to the Mac with M1, notably because their apps just scream on these new processors, right? They just, they're able to take, take their apps to a whole new place when they really optimize for these, for these new, um, for these new Macs. But what's nice is with Rosetta, they have some time. So if they need more time to get their app up and running, their customers can buy these new Macs and run their existing app today, which I think is, which I think is an awesome, uh, which is an awesome experience for customers and for our developers. I mean, from your standpoint, I know you know what's down the pipeline and what's coming. We don't. We're not going to talk about that because I know you can't answer that. But seeing this, right? You're like, oh yeah, you're you're right about that. But from an <laughs> recording stopped, right? <laughs> <laughs> from from an M1 standpoint, you know what surprised you the most? Because as consumers and users, I remember when you guys first demoed it, people did not believe it. People didn't want to believe it. They're like, wait, how did Apple all of a sudden take this major leap? You know, you guys and, and gals behind the scenes knew it was coming and saw it was coming. So can you maybe expand upon how the M1 has really enhanced the experience um, and you know, mm -hmm. raw power as well, battery consumption, but how, how that has changed the equation for what we expect to see in a Mac moving forward? No, great, great question. Um, you know, at, at sort of at a high level for me, the beauty of M1 is this, this, it's this total package, right? It's the performance, it's the battery life. I mean, there are times when, I look up at the battery meter and it has just hasn't moved, right? I mean, the battery life is absolutely incredible on, on these processors. Um, additionally, it's the everyday experiences. You know, when I lift that lid, and I, and I saw you noted this in your review as well, lift that lid, it's on instantly. For me personally, that's a game changer throughout the day. I can, I can open and close the lid on my MacBook Pro. Um, it wakes instantly. I'm right back to work. All the way down to app launches, right? Apps mm. launch with just a click. And that just... When you put all that all together, that completely changes how you use your Mac throughout the day. It's fast, it's fluid. I like to say it's it's everything you loved about a Mac before just completely cranked up and better for those things that you do every day. I, I, I don't think a day goes by even now after I've been using them for some time when I'm not just blown away about what our teams have been able to do um, with this incredible new hardware and software. And I think this is, an, this is a really good point, which is we designed the the M1 chip and Big Sur in concert with each other, right? This was the first time that we've been able to design an operating system for our very own chip on the Mac, right? Big Sur is is engineered down to its core to take full advantage of it. It's, it's if you're an engineer, this is the dream to be able to to design the CPU and the operating system in lockstep, which really lets us take full advantage of both. You know, um, with the M1, I mean. Look, it's an experience that it's, I can feel the difference just in the smallest things when I'm on a MacBook Pro 13. And then I go back to my fully loaded six inch Intel and I'm like, dang, like it feels like it sounds so, what are this first world like the uh, realizations, but it feels like you're going back in time mm -hmm. on a 16 inch fully loaded versus a 13 inch M1 MacBook Pro. Now, the thing that also, obviously not everyone can have an M1 and we know that macOS Big Sur supports some machines even as like a late 2013. So, 
you know, some people that are listening are gonna be like, hey, I don't have an M1, I don't have a 16 inch MacBook Pro. Are there any things that, you know, we know that the experience is obviously trying to bring up as many Macs and the fact that it can go as far back as a 2013, 2014 is pretty awesome. But maybe are there things that you could tell the audience that they might be missing in macOS Big Sur from those earlier machines compared to the modern ones? Because we could, you know, go over the modern ones all day. But, you know, there's a lot of users and especially my community that follows my work that has Macs from all different years. No, it's a, it's a great question. I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought it up because the beauty of what we've done with Big Sur is our customers on our Intel Macs, they get that same experience from a features perspective. They get the new design. They get the, the great new control center, the huge update to Safari, the new, um, the new look of apps, the, the new widgets. They get that full experience. Um, the same as, as, as our customers on, on M1. Clearly, you know, because M1 shares the same chip architecture as iPad and iPhone, you will only be able to run iPhone and iPad apps on an, on a Mac with an M1. But other than that, the features are the same, which is great. And you hit on another thing that I think is, is worth talking for a minute about, which is we so about how many Macs we are able to support with Big Sur. You know, our team works really hard every year to support the widest range of Macs possible with, with Mac OS. Um, you know, we want the most customers as possible to be able to experience all of the new features, technologies, and security benefits that we bring in our major OS releases. And this year was, was no exception as you know, we're, we have Macs dating back to 2013 and 2014, mm-hmm. um, that we are, that you're able to install Big Sur on, which, which we're extremely proud of. Um, and, and we know our customers love that too. Now, this is not a um, I gotcha question, but there were had been some reports about some of the like late 2013, maybe mid 2014 MacBook Pros, 13 inches having some, not everyone, but obviously, right, we, we sometimes hear about issues that happen, like a potential like getting stuck on a black screen. Has that, do you know if or may or may not, if that has been addressed or mm-hmm. resolved with 11.2 or you, you know, are you aware of the issue that people had kind of talked about? No, yeah, no, we were aware that, that, that a small set of customers had, had hit that. We were actually able to resolve that in, um, our 11.1 release. So I think one of the great things about, um, our OS releases is our software update cadence and how quickly our users are able to adopt that. And so we, we're, we push out software updates. We're able to, to fix things, sometimes add new capabilities and features. And so, yes, that's one that we were able to, uh, to fix and get, and get those customers um, back on their way with Big Sur. That's great to hear because I don't, you know, some people will see that article right when the OS launches and get really scared. And I, I don't feel like people have actually followed up on that story as much to say, oh, it, it's fixed now. So I, I appreciate you saying that because I, I, I couldn't find anywhere where someone said, oh yeah, it's been fixed. So that that's great yep. to hear. All right. Thanks again to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this podcast. Does it make sense that the same company who controls half of online retail also passively eardrops on your private conversations at home? What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and those tech juggernauts, and that's why I've used ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, the software hides your IP address, something big tech can use to personally identify you, so ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. 
ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. ExpressVPN is a single, straightforward app. It just one click and you're protected. It can't get any easier to use and I don't have to think about what it's doing to protect me. It's just doing it. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN that I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash applebits. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash applebits to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash applebits to learn more. Also, big thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the podcast as well. Podcasts are small businesses, so when I'm talking to business owners, we get each other 100%. And when it comes to hiring, every single hire needs to fit just right. My team is tiny. It's myself like 90% of the time, but one wrong move could be extremely bad. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about Indeed. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help you show great candidates instantly so you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. And with Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates right away, and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to TalentNest. Do you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash applebits. That's indeed.com slash applebits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Now, here's where we're going to get to some of the kind of, uh, I guess, some of my personal questions, but also audience questions about macOS Big Sur. Um, I wanted to start this off maybe just to see from your perspective and things that you've heard. Um, people always will bring in feedback of maybe something they want back from the previous OS or something that they miss. If you had to guess, you know, based on what you've seen, what what might be one of the biggest requests that you've seen from users or customers that are saying, we would like this or would like this back? Or, the, you know, is there something that has stuck out in your mind that you might have seen that tr- trended a little in, in your feedback? You know, um, honestly, uh, and, and this is very genuine, um, the, actually, the answer for me is, is, is no. And mostly because I think we have all, in addition to being able to strike this balance of new design and familiarity, you know, we're also very, we're also, you know, work really hard to make sure that the features that our customers use kind of continue on. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, what we're able to do is bring our customers forward um, and while, and not changing things on them, but while also adding new capabilities that they can take advantage of. And that's something that, that I think, you know, we, we work really hard. We make sure that, um, that we don't, you know, remove things unnecessarily that we know our customers are using. And that's something we talk about day in and day out. Um, and if we do make a big change, it's because the change we're making, we think is better than what we had before. And we, and, and we think our customers are going to love that. And that, that's, that's an area that, again, we work really hard on internally um, as we look at, you know, you know, new releases that we're, that we're working on in development. Okay, there there were this is the one that I saw the most in my comments. People had asked me and they wanted me to ask you, where is the calculator widget app? Will it be coming back? <laughs> like I had multiple people like say, I use this all the time, I need it back. Is there do you have any information on that or have you heard yes. that? 
No, I, by the way, I love that people, that people ask that. So, um, I think to answer that, I think it's, it's, this actually a good opportunity to talk about the new widget design, right? So as, as you know, we redesigned our widgets on iOS and macOS this year. Um, they have, they have a beautiful new look edge to edge, um, edge to edge design. They also, um, were designed to be very, um, you know, data rich and we envision these widgets really as all about glanceable information, quickly getting information at a glance, um, you know, right from notification center, right from the home screen on your iPhone or iPad. Um, and so, and, and we really optimized for the glanceable case. From a calculator perspective, one of the things that, that I always still find delightful and maybe so other folks know this, maybe they don't, is you can do calculations right in Spotlight. So what I find is that whenever I wanna do a calculation now, command space on the space bar, do a calculation in the spotlight search field and then dismiss it as I go. So, um, so there's other ways of, of getting to that calculator functionality, but I think that, you know, the, the, the big idea here is, is that we really optimize these new widgets for quick glanceable information and the developer feedback on those has been tremendous. They love the new design. Um, and, and we're seeing some great uptick there. All right, all right, everybody. You heard it here. Use the spotlight. But I, you know what? Quite honestly, I remember hearing that in the past, but I never, I never thought about that to use it. I, yeah. I, mean, I just honestly, quite honestly, I just pick up my phone. I, I treat my phone like my calculator kind of now. I think <laughs> I'm not the only one, but um, that that that's good information for all those people that asked. Stephen gave you your answer. All right. Um, the other thing is, and by the way, also, of course, we have the calculator app. Probably yeah, yeah, worth, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, that you can put in your doc. But I think Spotlight's a great accelerator for yeah. that. Yeah. The the other thing, this is a question that I had. I know I talked about it in um in my video. Quite honestly, the fact that it was my biggest criticism of macOS Big Sur tells you how much I love Big Sur. But I talked about the icons, and this is such a nitpicky Apple user thing where I said, uh, some of her kind of like too much shading, and yeah, you got this vocal community that's probably really small that's like, ah, I don't like the icons. Um, <laughs> what, what is your response to that? Because I thought it was really interesting how when Apple first released kind of an early build of macOS Big Sur and in the system preferences, People like were for whatever reason very distraught and didn't like the battery icon in the battery manager. Mm -hmm. And you guys did actually change that. So from an icon perspective, I mean, I know you hear this stuff. How much does it weigh into if you decide to change it or not? I mean, I like the cleaner iOS flatter look, and some of your icons are very flat, but these some of them have shading on it. Is there any story behind that? Or I don't know, you know, people just want to know about this stuff. No, no, no. I think, by the way, I think the icons are one of the most iconic redesigned elements of what we did in Big Sur. And, and our design team really went deep on these, right? It was that really thoughtful and careful consideration. You know, anytime you change something as iconic as app icons, as they are in Mac OS, we, they are definitely done, um, in, you know, in a very thoughtful manner. And we thought deeply about this and the, where, where I think, where I think we netted out on this and, and which I really love is they have this, um, beautiful uniformity and consistency across our devices, which, you know, a lot of our customers come to the Mac having owned an iPhone, go between iPhone and Mac throughout the day, and it really gives them that familiarity. But they also retain the heritage of what people love about Mac icons, right? They're detailed. They have um, little Easter eggs in them, like the, uh, like the mail icon has the return to address on them. So, just like everything else where I believe we really struck that great balance in the design, I think the icons are almost the embodiment of that, right? Again, the heritage of the Mac with that consistency of look, and I think they came out um, just beautiful and just perfect for the Mac. Okay, Steven, you know where I'm going with this. You know, we talked about the icons. 
They look a lot about like iOS icons. You know, it feels even playing around with the control center and notifications. It feels like macOS Big Sur. If you guys decide to pull the trigger, and some people love this and some people don't, it just it just begging for me to touch those icons. They look just like iOS icons. Um, we have sliders in there that I feel like, man, this slider up here in, in the notification center, that that's for my finger. That That's not for like my mouse. So to what degree, I'm trying to ask this question properly so I get some level of an answer. You guys do experiment look at everything. To what degree have you even played around with the idea? I'm not saying you're bringing it, but played around with the idea of touch in macOS. So you know we we ne- we don't talk about you know future stuff correct, of course, correct. but I actually think it's it's this is a good conversation around you know the design itself. We when we design for the Mac, we design specifically for the Mac, meaning cursor, meaning mouse and keyboard input, and that's how we optimize optimize the UI. Just like on iPad OS. We optimize for a touch-first experience, and for iPhone, we optimize for that multi-touch experience. And really, this was all about bringing, making our mouse and and keyboard-driven experience even better. Um, but what you also are noting is that, and this again comes back to that familiarity, there is a lot of consistency mm-hmm. in that experience across devices, and then even at the app level, so that if you move from mail on iPad to mail on the Mac, you feel right at home. And I think you can carry that through a bunch of app examples. And so the goal is to really, where appropriate, maintain that consistency, but of course, make sure that we're always optimizing it for the ways that people use a Mac, mm. right? We've got, you know, the the, the 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 way the toolbar works with all the buttons in, in the app toolbar and the menu bar, et cetera. So that's really what it, that's the honest truth, which is it's really what it's all about is delivering the best possible experience for how our customers use a Mac. Have you ever, um, subconsciously, because we play with all these devices though, have you ever accidentally reached and touched your Mac screen? Come on, come on, Steven. I, I can tell you that I've definitely seen my kids do that, uh, for sure. I'm asking they're, they're you, growing, I'm asking you. Growing up in a different, uh, you know, it's funny for me, I will tell you this. I definitely, um, put myself when I'm in front of my Mac, I'm in that Mac state of mind. Um, maybe, maybe I'm an outlier in that case, but I'm, <laughs> I'm in that Mac state of mind. I, I use it, you know, as, as intended. And then I'd switch to the iPad and it kind of changes modes for me uh, as I change devices. And I think that's actually, um, a testament to how our design teams and how our engineering teams have designed the features to really bring out the best in each of those devices, right? That you really, when you're on there, you want to use it as it was intended. And I think there's there's a lot of work we've done to make sure that that is unique on each one of our devices um, from the OS perspective. Steven, you're a good man. You, you didn't even crack. I, I just asked personally if you ever done it once, <laughs> if you ever did it once, because he's like, I know the headline. <laughs> the headline's going to be Steven <laughs> Tona, head of product for <laughs> macOS, touches his Mac. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not what I was trying to get you to do, but very job well done. All right. Um, Here's the other thing, uh, we know. <laughs> hey, you gotta know, do your job, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The people will appreciate it. You know, um, obviously again, this is not to tell us what's happening in the future, but you know, we know we've heard the touch bar rumors. Okay, fine, whatever, we're not gonna talk about that. But specifically, can you expand upon maybe how the touch bar software can evolve? Because for me, there's a lot of people that love the touch bar. There's a lot of people that don't love the touch bar. I, I would actually, I thought it was, more heavily weighted anti-touch bar, but now that I've 
kind of talked to a lot of people and gotten response and whatever run fun polls. It's more even than I thought, right? So you have people that still love the legacy keyboard, people that were excited about what the MacBook Air when it removed it, you know, or brought back kind of the quote unquote more traditional um, function keys, and people that absolutely love the Touch Bar. So where can the Touch Bar evolve software-wise? It's a, no, it's a, it's a great question, and um, I think what's been awesome about the Touch Bar is how we've how we've let developers embrace it. Right, that really is the the touch bar is is this kind of almost like a blank canvas for our developers. It gives them yet another place to put some of their app functionality, and that's it. The touch bar is all about how how much functionality our developers and our own apps put in there. I'll give you I'll give you an example that I use every day with Touch Bar, especially with us working at home. You know, we're on video calls. Um, you can you know, mute right from the touch bar. It's perfect. If I ever just want to mute, let's say, you know, you know, or I can, I can pick up a FaceTime call right from there. So it's, there's a lot of app functionality where it's in the perfect spot right there. Tap on it. Um, uh, the other one that is everybody's favorite with the touch bar that I, that I use frequently is, is the emo getting to my emojis. <laughs> so when I'm using iMessage on my Mac, I want to send an emoji. I can just tap on it and, um, and get to my emoji picker right from there. So it really is, the touch bar is all about how our developers have embraced it, how they've put even more utility and even, you know, surfaced more functionality of their app right there. Um, and I think that's ultimately what, you know, kind of pushes it forward much like a lot of things that we do across our devices. It's all about, you know, how our developers push this forward and, and give our customers, you know, even more value out of these devices. So so now I know why the touch bar may not be going away because Steven loves his emojis. <laughs> no, he's like, not going to lie. Uh, I, I'm just saying personal feedback. You can take this with what you, a grain of salt or not. I really do wish if there was somehow, I think I had personally be more, uh, would enjoy the touch bar more if there was some sort of haptic feedback. I'm not saying you guys are doing it. I'm not asking you to tell me that, but that's that's one thing. Like I'm one of those people that leans more towards the traditional uh, function keys, but I feel like if there was more of a haptic feedback to it, I would probably enjoy it more. And I'm not saying, you know, to do that, but I just had to, since you're, you know, part of the team that makes these decisions, I felt that I would impart that to, for, to well, you, from me to you. Feedback noted. We're we always <laughs> we're always up for feedback. We love hearing from our customers, and so yeah, thank you. Okay, um, just got a couple more before we wrap up here. You've been around macOS, iOS, iPadOS so much. Was there any? And this is not you revealing any secrets because what I thought was really unique recently is that there was an interview where the AirPods Max team was pretty transparent. They actually said that they tried using touch controls, but they didn't feel that they were effective. So they went with that digital crown. I'm like, wow, I don't remember the last time Apple has really kind of outright said that about a flagship product in an interview. So I'm not asking you for something like that, but was there maybe any feature that you wished for that hasn't made it yet? I'm not, this is not revealing thing, but is there any feature in macOS or something that you'd like to see yourself? It's a good question. Uh, mm. You know, I, I guess my best answer to that is, you know, we I've got a whole list of things that That's I want. I don't want to know do. one of them. I you want know? one of them. I, I got to tell you, as as, as as you know, as as any good as any good product person should, I've got you know, we. I think what's what's pretty cool about working in in at Apple and in product marketing as well, um, and I'm sure the folks on our in engineering teams and design teams feel this way too. Is you you love making great products and you always want to make them better. 
right? And I think that is, um, that's just what makes working at Apple great is we all want to just continue to make these amazing products even better. We're never satisfied, right? And um, and so, yeah, we all, every, I can, trust me, everybody at Apple has a, a list a mile long and it's, it's <laughs> honestly what keeps me coming in every day is that is how passionate people here are about continuing to not staying steady, right? To continuing to push forward and to make things better. Um, and so, so yeah, I'll leave you with that. I have a long list, you know, if, if you feel, if you want to hold it up on the screen right now, I'm more than willing to take a look at it. I, I can, I, I'm more than willing to give you feedback as well. Okay. Just, just, just for future noted. reference, future <laughs> reference. All right. You know what? Um, just as, Again, the M1 is really driving so much of the hardware innovation that then translates over to software innovation here. And I know it can go both ways, but you know, I know that you've seen a lot of stuff. We've heard a lot of things. What what maybe can we expect to see, you know, with the Mac moving forward, since we're talking about Mac OS Big Sur, what what can we expect to see? You know, I think we I really do think we said it best when we introduced the the you know the Apple Silicon for the first time at WWDC and then when we launched our M1 Max in the fall is this is a new era for the Mac, right? And I think that's such a key thing is, is that we are always, you know, we love the Mac. And we, with with this transition to these new Apple-made and Apple-designed chips is we are entering in, 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 into a new era for the Mac. We think this sets us up so well for the future, both on the hardware side and to innovate on the software side that, um, you know, I, I, I there's some exciting times to come here. All right, well, uh, Stephen, I want to say thank you so much for your time. You are a great sport. You did you did the dodge duck dodge dive. We like really good. But I you know I re really appreciate the candor because you know it really helps a lot of the customers that are listening to this for the first time to hear from someone like you just talk about Apple and macOS and some of those things that you revealed. So I just want to say thanks. That was that was really great and just really appreciate the conversation. And hopefully this didn't scare you away or any other future uh, Apple employees from jumping on and talking with me. Hopefully, I don't know. I don't know. You can tell me. No, no. I Listen, I, I a, appreciate you yet. Those are amazing questions. Um, and I always love to, you know, it's always an opportunity. It's always a privilege to be able to talk to you and your your viewers. I think it's such a great, great thing that um, that you do. And, and I hope this, hope this was helpful for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you, you it was super helpful for me. I know people are going to love this. So just want to say thanks again for your time, Stephen. Appreciate it all. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, Brian. All right, so there you go. A fun interview with Apple's director of platform product marketing, Stephen Tonin, and uh, really had a good time talking to him. And I did really appreciate the fact that he, although he dodged some of my questions, if you watch the video version, you can see the expression on his face. You can hear it. The The time where I asked him if he touched, um, has ever reached out and touched macOS, his face actually turns pretty red on the video. So maybe, maybe I hit a nerve there. Maybe I struck a chord, but I wanted to represent for you all and also ask the questions that you all had. So let's get to the phone calls. Um, we have two here today. Remember, all you got to do to be a part of the show is call in, send your voice memo to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Whatever laptop, phone, platform you're on, it doesn't matter. Send it in, be a part of the show. Love hearing from you. All right, we've got two calls, like I said. First up, we're going to go with Eric, who wants to talk about, appropriately, Mac OS. Thanks, sir! Hi, Brian. This is Eric in Connecticut. I've been a sporadic listener since the pandemic, and uh, it's the first time I've called in. I'm calling about my 
2017 iMac. Uh, it's been working pretty good for a couple of years, and about two months ago, we upgraded to Big Sur, and around a month ago, my wife said uh, she was getting some black screens when starting up Big Sur. I was traveling at the time, and I said, you know, let's restart it, and you know, hopefully it'll keep working. And then I was home a couple weeks ago, and it uh, happened to me a couple times, um, and got worse and worse. And I have some experience troubleshooting Macs. I worked on the uh, System 7 helpline uh, in Campbell, California, way back in the early 90s. Uh, and then I worked at the Apple Data Center up in Napa for a few years, Napa, California. Um, so I decided to do a clean install of Big Sur. I put a brand new system folder on, and uh, it still happened. Uh, so I decided to reformat the hard drive and put Big Sur on, and it still happened. And at that point, I did some Googling, and it found lots of messages about this issue, so it seems to be a common problem. Uh, so I decided to downgrade to Catalina, and uh, now my iMac is working solidly again. So just wondering if you know anything about that issue, when it might be fixed for sure. I did see a message from someone that even with um, the Big Sur update that it was still happening. Uh, thanks for your show. See ya. All right, Eric. So first of all, you know, you have done absolutely everything possible, right? Um, start up in safe mode, reset the, you know, the VRAM, like all, all of those things. So, you know, I hope we talked to Steven in this show and he said that they have addressed it and fixed it. And so I'm not saying go through the whole process and try again, but if your computer is crucial to you, I, w- I would still maybe wait it out. But Steven did tell us that I, I asked your exact question. And so hopefully that has been resolved. But, you know, let us know. Let me know. Send an email or call in and just let me know if if things have, you know, resolved themselves because it takes a long time <laughs> to reinstall everything, start from scratch, clean, install. That that takes time. We don't always have the most time. All right, so best of luck to you, buddy. All right, final call. This one's coming in from Jay. And I love this because he has some thoughts on the Apple TV. Thanks for taking my message, Brian. I'm Jay um, from Washington, D.C. Um, I just want to say, like, I, just off of what you said about the Apple TV, I, I actually love the Apple TV. I think it's better than any, any other streaming device I've used. Um, I watch a lot of anime, so I like the, the rewind constantly because I have to read the subtitles and see what's going on. And it's the fastest to rewind. It has the fastest UI. has the cleanest UI. Um, I have an LG TV just like you, LG OLED. Um, I constantly go straight to Apple TV. It's easier for my wife to understand Apple TV. Um, It casts way easier. You can do Apple Fitness on the TV. I have a Roku as well and a Fire Stick. The Roku doesn't rewind fast enough. I get bugs all the time. I know it has more apps, but um, I, I just think everything works a lot better on Apple TV. I love the remote, too. I know you don't like the remote. But I've just never had an issue with it. Like, it's just so easy to use. I just rewind really quickly, double tap, slide up, slide down. To me, it's just, like, really easy to use. I never really understood the, the, the issue with it. But, yeah, appreciate it. I just wanted to, you know, let you know some people still do love the Apple TV. 
<laughs> Jay, my man, awesome call. Okay, I don't think I said I disliked it or I hated. It. I think I think it had to do something with when someone called in and asked, "Oh, would um is a new Apple TV gonna come out?" And maybe you took it as me, you know, speaking down it, but I just said I don't know if there's much that they can really do to change the equation of how people um, are using the Apple TV right now that much. Um, I do like it. For the record, it is my primary streaming device. Um, absolutely all the things you talked about that are ecosystem plays totally make it um, make absolute sense when you airplay, when you use Apple Fitness, all that. I am on board with you. So I, I'm not on board with the remote, but we can all agree to disagree. And I love that you called in. And I love hearing more calls like that of things that, you know, we're not all supposed to agree on everything. That's the whole point. So um, hopefully some of y'all listening can uh, send in more stuff like that. So thanks so much for that, Jay. But that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Remember, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Tong is the way to do it. Also, we got to give big thanks out to our Apple Platinum sponsors. That's the $100 level for this podcast. Just amazing. Big thanks out to Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Koenigsegg. I also know that there were some stories that happened this week. I'm going to see if I can squeeze in maybe a little earlier podcast for next week. Uh, some of you might be interested in that. But, you know, we had this in-depth interview with Apple. And so I thought it would just kind of bring some insight and some different flavor to the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Love to hear what you think. But that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Take care and be safe. We'll talk to you soon next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.